I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, everyone, I'm excited to bring on our next guest to the show. This forward became the first Jamaican-born player to be drafted into the National Hockey League in 2018 when the Dallas Stars selected him in the seventh round. He spent five seasons in the Western Hockey League with the recently named 2023 Memorial Cup hosts, the Camelot Blazers, where he was named captain of the team in 2018-19. Most recently, he spent this past season in the AHL with the Henderson Silver Knights, and he's also co-author of the fantastic children's book, Ari's Awful Day slash Mainer's Move. Please welcome to the show, Jermaine Lowen. How's it going, man? It's going awesome. I'm uh, enjoying my uh, summertime now season's yeah, over for, and yeah so i'm excited about that what do you what do you do in the off season i just i like to obviously keep up with my training but uh, i like to just go go to the beach go to the lake uh, do those yeah. kind of fun things nice well that's awesome um so we wanted you know obviously with camelot's being named memorial cup that was one of the reasons why i wanted to bring you on but more importantly, we want to talk about your career. And so we want to start off from the beginning because you have a very unique story and you're somebody that being from Kamloops, I've followed. Um, so, you know, you grew up in an orphanage and you I read a CBC story about how you talked about just trying to survive. And, you know, it was just crazy for you. Um, do you maybe want to just tell our listeners what it was like and just your journey to Canada? Yeah, I can explain it. So um, from obviously zero to five years old, I, uh, I lived in, in an orphanage, um, I lived on my own, uh, life was pretty, pretty hard, pretty difficult, um, obviously with no family and parents, but, um, from there I, I moved out to Manitoba and, uh, I got adopted by, from, by a family from, from, uh, Arbrook, Manitoba. Yeah. Mm-hmm. that's where they reside. And, um, the kind of the progression of what happened in my, my journey and my career is I, I uh, started playing hockey a little bit later, at, uh, like 11 and a half, 12 years old and in Arbrook. And I played for that, like the minor, minor hockey system in, uh, in the Arbrook area, which is called yeah. the Interlake. And I did that for a bunch of years. And then I got drafted by the Blazers when I was uh 15 so it was a pretty big jump for me you know in those years I, I I progressed and grew as a as a player and as a person really fast in that time normally kids start their their, their hockey playing when they're young you know five mm-hmm. six yeah. but I didn't have that I didn't have that opportunity based upon um you know obviously being an orphan from you know zero to five didn't really didn't have that time to get the skates on where most of these kids uh, mm-hmm. in Canada and U.S. and mo- most parts of the world start uh, jumping in the skates early. So I didn't have that opportunity, but I had a lot of determination, and that's uh, partly why where I am at today. Yeah, that's remarkable. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, determination, inspiration. I mean, like, your story is so inspiring, man. Um, and, you know, you quickly learned the game of hockey. Like, it's insane. Like, yeah. in 10 years, you were already in the WHL. Um 
when you started to watch hockey, who was your favorite player? Like when you under like who, yeah. Um, my favorite hockey player, um, growing up was PK Subban. Like I liked watching him, you know, back, uh, back in the day when he was more of a, a rookie. Um, mm-hmm. Still great. He's a still a great D man. But that was someone who I watched. You know, his World Junior, Juniors. Yeah. I would sit down and watch and and study. You know what. He's electric. I said, I want to be electric like him. I want to make electric plays. I want to try to put my game in positions where I can do that. So he inspired me and he made me someone that trained really hard. Um, he's, and he's, you know, I looked up to him. He was a, he's a black hockey player. So that was very special to me to see someone in the position where I want to be in. Yep. And then um, I also love Wayne Simmons. I love oh. Wayne Simmons. And the reason I love Wayne Simmons is because he plays such a similar style of game um, yeah, to me. Yes, and man. I feel like I model that, that type of game very, very closely. I'm still raw in it, but I'm very much along the journey of, of being like similar to him. And I'm, I'm in a good progression with going in that place where Wayne Simmons is, which is, which is kind of crazy, which is kind of cool. And <laughs> I, uh, I just, I love, yeah, I love watching him. I love his leadership on the way that he's similar to me in that sense so yeah 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 absolutely i saw lots of that of you in like when you're in camloops and just like your fights and how you stuck up for teammates and your leadership abilities yeah man like that wayne simmons in comparison is perfect yes yeah the those two those two players are great guys to look up to as well i mean they they're both character guys too and great personalities uh, in the dressing room on like on and off the ice too. Right. So yeah, um, that also that Arberg connection, uh, my dad's from Arberg. So that's pretty cool. So <laughs> he grew up there as well. So um, that's, that's pretty cool to hear. Uh, you know, you started out with Kamloops uh, in the first season, it was, you didn't score. And then, you know, a few seasons later, you're getting 36 goals, 28 goals, um, what was your welcome to the WHL moment uh, when you first started out? Uh, the welcome to the WHL. <laughs> I think for me it was, there's a few instances, but I think um, my first camp, you know, there was a little bit of media attention when I was um, 15. My first training camp was pretty cool. Just, just the support I got from, obviously from the media standpoint and then from, from fans and people, there was a lot of hype and people were really excited to see someone different who played the game yeah. different. Yeah. And I brought different energies about me. And, and I think there were fans really gravitated towards me. And that's, uh, that was kind of my welcome to Kamloops. Um, I had a cool interview with John Keane. And that was, that was something that was a, a kind of a cool, uh, just a cool start out point for me. And uh, yeah, it's such a, yeah. such a, such a cool entrance into the league yeah, and and it was obviously at first I didn't really understand it and and then now as I can reflect back on my career and watch the games and go to the games and see the players it, it kind of makes you realize hey like this is crazy where I've been I was in those guys shoes yeah yeah absolutely I mean so when you came into Kamloops, was fighting something that you knew you were going to do, or did that just end up becoming a part of your game that you had to develop? And you realized that, hey, I can kind of bring this to the like to the lineup, and this can be my role. Yeah. So 
I never really fought. Like, yeah. obviously, before I went and played for the Blazers, I was more of a, you know, a raw, more raw skilled player who, who was good in his age bracket. And I had grown and developed quite a bit. But um, to get my game to the next level, I had to commit to the fact that I was going to become now, a, you know, a grinder. And, mm-hmm. and Don Hay, Don Hay had a pivotal role in, in that. And he just kind of told me, Hey, you should, you should, uh, you know, get into some fights. Like not that he wanted me to just strictly fight. That wasn't the, what he was pertaining to, but just, you know, I'm a bigger guy. I have brute, brute strength in some areas, especially on the ice. And if I was able to bring that and be a stand up for my teammates, that was something that I wanted to commit to. And obviously at first it's quite scary. When you have never learned fighting, you never been kind of put in that position. And my family, coming where I'm from, we're not really, we don't love fighting. We're mm-hmm. very kind. We're very kind people. We're obviously, you know, friendly Manitoba. We're <laughs> we just we don't want to harm no one. And no. it's not in my nature. But yeah. sometimes you got to do things to, you know, elevate your game. And that's one thing I committed to. And I kind of started to enjoy it. And enjoying standing up for guys and I had my own my own ways of doing it and um there's a lot of joy in in having that presence where you can protect guys and it wasn't just with fighting it was um body checking playing a gritty game you know doing those things and making sure that I I did my role and my job and being the best the best uh grinder checker um and then a good teammate in the room and wherever I go that's those are the things that I focused on and that brought me a lot of success. Nice. Yeah. I mean, look where you are now. I mean, we'll get a little into that in a little later, but you know, you talk about, you know, playing that grinder role and that's something that still is very prominent in today's game. You see guys like Pat Maroon, Nick Delorier, Wayne Simmons. Um, I mean, Nick Delorier is one of my favorite players in the league and he doesn't really score goals. He just fights and creates that energy for the team. Yeah you're somebody that, you know, you can do the same and, you know, you go up and you score 36 goals for the Blazers. What was that like for you? You know, you led the team in points and goals that year. Yeah. So that was quite a big transition for me. Um, if, as you know, the progression of how my years went, yeah. um, obviously I, you know, more than doubled my goals from the yeah. year before. And that's a, that's a big thing. You know, people kind of get shocked, like, what, what happened that summer? Why, why did he always, you know, go from one year had seven and eight goals in one year, nothing. So then why does he mm-hmm. go from seven, eight, and then 36, and then the last one year, 28? Like, how does that, how does that work? And for me, it was just a solid training summer. And I found a way to, I don't know, just found a way <laughs> to add something that, that needed to be added that year. And it's kind of crazy that, that I put in, 36 but I decided that me being a big body I need to go to the front of the net I need yep. to put my stick in an area just muck and grind and since I'm big and like and and got some grit not a lot yep. of d-men want to want to play there in front of the net against me <laughs> because I had harnessed the ability now to um, have some skill in the, in the and put the puck in the back of the net as well it wasn't just a me going in and you know, fighting and scrapping. It's like, this guy's now two dimensional. And that's, that was huge, huge for me because that, that kind of put me in a, in more than just like, Oh, he's just a 
a scrapping fighting guy like people now have to know that th there's a chance he can actually bury a puck into the back of the net and I I proved that that year and I had I felt like the game slowed down because I knew where to be mm -hmm. I knew I knew the positional play better I studied the game I watched more hockey and I got into a zone where I was like like I can do this and the belief was there um, and that was something that I didn't have the, the previous years before once that belief came back I I just was off to the races so yeah, that, that progression kind of reminds me of Milan Lucic. Uh, he was the same type. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't scoring a lot in his first few years. And then all of a sudden he's scoring 30, 40 goals. So it's a similar progression. Uh, hopefully you end up in the NHL one day and you're actually do, yeah, doing it too there. So, um, yeah, yeah. so that, that'd be, that'd be awesome. Um, so in that 20, you don't score 28 goals. You were captain, you named captain of the Blazers that year. Uh, what did that mean by for you to be captain and to be named captain of the Blazers uh, in that year? Uh, it meant the world to me. Uh, I went through a lot of different struggles, especially in hockey and, and, and in the city. And just to be recognized for all the things I went through as, through the years, those first few years as a, as a player and a member and, and you know, all management and staff, people that made those decisions of keeping me around, you know, at 16, there wasn't, there were people weren't too sure if I should go back and have another year under my belt. You know, you got to think about it. I've only been in the game for five, six years at the time. I was a raw talent. Mm -hmm. And then from, from there, it was just like, they just kept believing me and trusting me. And, and when you get that from your, from the organization and, and staff that, kept with me that was just like a big honor and I think that's that's something I'm never going to take for granted and I just feel so honored that I wore that sweater and and I had a lot of games under my belt and and I I brought a different kind of energy to the Blazers mm -hmm. and, and the organization and and fans and and I think that kind of you know during those times and during those years with with the Blazers we went through some struggles we lost you know, lost some games and, and we had an overtime heartbreaker against Kona where I was a part of. We had um, some early one exit one year. We, we missed the playoffs by two points. Mm -hmm. And there was another year where we, we completely, I think, missed it. There was just there was a lot of different things that I had gone through as a player. And, and you kind of wondered in your in your last year, like, what's this going to be? Is this going to mm -hmm. be another one? I lost all a few, you know, um, a GM change, different things that happened. And then finally for it to, for me to kind of feel like, okay, like that just proved to them people and me and that I'm really special and meant to, you know, it's a big honor when you get that, mm -hmm. when you get that letter in your Jersey, it's not about you. It's about like everybody else that helped contribute to so that, that letter on the Jersey was like one of the best things that, it happened to me and I, I feel pride, prideful and proud I would say yeah. to have worn worn that letter on my jersey yeah for for sure though I mean you look at some of the other blazers you look at you know who have worn that and um I mean I remember you being named captain and I remember like the press conference and I, I was excited I mean I'm I've always been a big blazers fan so it's it's so cool to talk to former Blazers players and stuff for me. Um, so you're obviously, you know, you were recently in town um, and you, you broke the air horn or something like that. I, that was yeah, kind of funny. Yeah. So I guess I should lay off the, the weights or something. <laughs> the 
is what people are saying. <laughs> yeah, that's too funny. Um, yeah. So maybe tell me what, uh, as a player, um, what the Memorial Cup bid means to uh, the city of Kamloops. Uh, it means a lot. The, you know, getting denied a few years back, the Memorial Cup to Kelowna. Yeah. It was, it was gut-wrenching. It was, it was hard because we all know the history of the battle <laughs> yeah. between Kelowna, Kelowna and Kamloops. It's a, it's a fierce, fierce battle. It, it stems not just from hockey. There's, no. other, yeah. there's other things that it stems from as well. And so for, for the city to finally get the Mem Cup, it, it kind of feels like, okay, we, we did it. Like it was a huge, <laughs> huge, huge moment for the city, huge moment for the Blazers. And um, now that the Blazers are been so dominant over the last few years, since I've left, there's been a, there's been a, a guys wanting to come to Kamloops. There's been players like, you know, instead of, oh, we don't want to come to Kamloops. It's like people want to come to Kamloops. Yeah. People want to watch the games and fans want to be there as well. And, and you just see how much support there is at, at the games, yeah. at the, um, around the city, you see, you see the Blazers back to what they were in the nineties. Mm-hmm. And that's something yep. that, that was something that was talked about. And, discussed with the staff when I was there and we wanted to have that culture back again and I feel that it's coming back and having the Memorial Cup is going to it's going to be huge for for the Blazers and it's going to be really really big for the the alumni and on the other players who, who played for the Blazers over the past um, number of years that the Blazers have been in the Western Hockey League so yeah absolutely those great great words um you like when you came here and you got to do the announcement, did you guys, did you get to meet Jerome McGinley and Scott Niedermeyer or have you met them before? I've met all of them before. And, well, yeah, um, they're, I figured. They're ph- phenomenal. Yeah, we, we have a golf tournament and uh, for, the, for the alumni and, and things. And we used to do Blazers golf tournament as well with as players. And so I met them all and they're, they're nice. fantastic people. And uh, there's a people that uh, they put in a lot of hard work in the community and those are people that I I admire and I look up to and I can learn stuff from from them and how how they they handle being in 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 the limelight a bit as well so it's really cool to uh to have met them and yeah of course look at at their jerseys you go to a restaurant you go to Sharks or wherever and you see their jerseys up around and it's pretty it's pretty cool and for them it was very very um, probably pretty emotional for those for those alumni and to to have announced it yeah um, at the game the other night so yeah for sure for sure uh let's transition into your AHL I mean you're playing with Henderson right now um and you've played with you know former teammate Dylan Ferguson now for quite a few years you've been playing with him since Kamloops and then with Fort Wayne it seems like and now with Henderson, what's it like uh, playing with him all these years? You guys have a great relationship. Yeah, we do. Uh, playing with Fergie has been uh, been amazing. You know, I was telling him, it's very rare that you play your junior hockey and then you go into professional and you play all these different years. You know, I've been pro for three years now, mm-hmm. going on to four, and he's been there the whole time with me. Uh, he's played time in the East Coast, and he's you know, played a little bit in the AHL as well. And it's special to have 
have people come along in your yeah. hockey career that understand your story, understand your journey. It's not an easy, it's not an easy path to be on as a professional hockey mm-hmm. player. And so to have people kind of help you and who've been there through juniors and kind of give you a, Hey, this is maybe what you should do to get better. Or there's different things that we can stem off of each other. So yeah, yep. it's been, it's been yeah. good to, to play with him and I can give him encouragement as well in his career. So there's a, it's very interesting how small the hockey world is really yeah. all the different players. You, you meet one guy and you have a fierce hate for him <laughs> on the ice. And then you're like, you have to remind yourself that, Hey, this guy could be my teammate in two, three years, or yeah. I might, I might see him in the restaurant. I got to be respectful and mindful. Like once the game's done, it's done. <laughs> so yeah, it's, a, it's very unique, unique thing to be, to be a part of. For sure. Uh, what's li- like, li- Oh, that wasn't English. What's living in Henderson. Like, Oh, it's been great. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's hot. It's, you know, I love being there because whenever I, I get up, it's, it's warm. It's, there's a lot of, there's just so much. <laughs> yeah. You can't go wrong. And, and uh, they set up their rink and, and the organization really well. And I feel very appreciated as, a, as a player and, and like, um, like by the fans. And so I, I've been having a great time. I had a great time in Henderson and I uh, just was really thankful for, for being there. Hey, you scored a career high now, six goals and 14 points this past season. Uh, have you felt that you've turned a corner in your career now that uh, you're starting to score some goals now? Uh, you have some confidence uh, going into next year, uh, score even more. Yeah, I feel like um, it's learning the league again, learning a different level. Um, it takes time. And, and, and obviously those first two, two years was – uh, we don't want to, you know, blame it on it. The first two years were COVID, so there was a lot yeah. of different oh, things that happened. I, I only yeah. played, you know, 20 games, 20 games one year and then 30 the other year. And I was almost going to finish my rookie year, and that was cut short. It was it was something that happened, like, you know, the year was cut short because of COVID, and then the next yeah. year um, it was a shortened season. We started the season out in, in February last year, the previous year. And... I got in, you know, a few games. I uh, produced one one assist. You know, I felt like okay, I need to fix something. So I went back in the summer and I had a solid solid summer. I dialed in what I needed to and got rid of some things in in my game and life I needed to. And I mm-hmm. dialed, you know, I dialed it in. And once I this year I got on a good groove in the beginning of the year. I I. I was solid. I had, you know, the seven points in whatever it was, 11, 12 games at, at, at one point. And, and then I got um, injured. So for me, that was a, was a hard, you know, a hard lesson, but I learned, I learned and improved in that, mm-hmm. in that time that I was injured um, this year. So I, I gained a lot of confidence from that and I finished the year solid. And I just know that based upon what I did in previous years, I feel like I can continue that that kind of progression and I can I know that I can score so for me that was like okay I I put in six goals this year and scoring I think the biggest thing for me was scoring isn't the biggest thing Mm. and I I had a mental block so 
for me getting out of that mental block and saying to myself, like, look, I, I can score. It's a matter of, it's a matter of, I've done it. You know, the previous, like when I was in juniors, my last two years, I scored, like I scored at a lot of goals. (laughs) And so (laughs) it wasn't, it wasn't. And the reason I wasn't, the reason I was scoring goals, it wasn't because of like, I had that mindset, like I couldn't do it. I was like, I can score. I'm not just a one dimensional player. I could talk about before. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that was like, I changed that in my mind. And that was the big thing in this year. That was, that was a big change that's happening. So I just got to work that process in my mind and say, I, I'm going to score more next year, or I'm going to be a better player or a different player that the team needs for that year. So that's Mm -hmm. pretty much what, that's what happened to me this year. And, um, I brought a different kind of edge to me. And so I didn't scrap as much in fight, but I played a very physical game. And, yep. and I realized that checking with my feet was a lot more powerful than with my hands all the time. Mm-hmm. No, that's a, that's a good way to look at it. Uh, so what has been like the biggest change? I mean, obviously the physicality level compared to the WHL and the AHL is tremendous we you know you hear the ahl described on other podcasts as like the jungle and it's fierce down there obviously um you had a pretty spirited bout this year with boko imama that was featured all over social media um what i mean what is that like what's been that like for you like the physicality and the fighting like for you i mean you've said you've toned it down obviously which has been good um but what's it been like uh it's been great i mean i i love i love hitting guys yeah. I, I enjoy the rough, the, the gritty, yeah. and I embraced it. And that's yeah. something that mm-hmm. I, I had, I've hard, have hard times sometimes embracing it because it's not for everyone. It's a mm-hmm. mindset that it's very, you have to get into it. Like I'm a checking player. I'm solid that way. And I just developed a, an ability to, to have a little chip in my shoulder mm-hmm not in a negative sense, but no. just make sure that every time a guy has a puck, he's at least getting bumped or pressure on him. Yeah. And, yep. and that's just as important. That's, that's, that's a skill that, you know, coaches and people don't get taught, but I'm pretty good at it. I've improved, I've improved a lot at a lot at it. And I, I think uh, a ton of, a ton of people who watch the game, realize like just bumping a guy here and there all over the ice for 60 minutes you know how much does that wear you down how much does yeah, that yeah make you you tired and cough the puck up i may not be the one that puts it in the net but there's guys that yeah can do. can benefit off of there and those yeah. those guys have a job they they make they make their money doing that i can make money or i can enjoy the game and play the game keep my body fit so i can keep elevating by being physical yeah absolutely 100 uh no question um henderson is the farm team of the vegas golden knights do do the golden knights come and train with you guys at all like any of the nhl players come down there or uh they have like their own summer groups down there so they train some people but it's it's more it's more just very like it's not affiliated with like vegas per se okay it's just it's just some people that some guys that they go down there and they they're 
you know, on the team or whatever. They're not. They're moving on to a different. They just right. go down and train. Vegas is a good place to train in the summer. Yeah, you know that happens everywhere across all of hockey. There's different areas people train. Kelowna is a good area. Yeah, some guys train in Vancouver and on the island. There's some guys that train in Toronto. There's guys that train in wherever. Really, you know, mm-hmm. in Michigan. There's different all over U.S. There's different spots. So it's been it's been good. Like for me, I I. I'm a little bit more towards trying to be at home during the season, close to family <laughs> and friends and yep. try to remove myself from, from wherever I'm going to be playing or if that's the place I'm going to be playing. I, I want to take a break from it. It's just healthy to remove yourself from your, your job when it's off season. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Um, so just some other questions we got for you. You've been great, man. Thank you so much yeah. for all your time today so far. Uh, is there any significance with the number 54 or is it just what Henderson assigned you? Uh, it's more of just what they assigned me, but I kind of now, I kind of now rock it and I <laughs> yeah. like it. It's, it's like 32, but like 54 is, is a number yeah. that's like, it looks good on my back. You know, it's there a big number. <laughs> it's, it's out like of the ordinary. Big, it works. A, yeah. I'm a big, I'm a big man and yep. 32, 54, those are like numbers. They're not, you know, not the skills, skill guy numbers like 19 <laughs> yeah. and 19 and 13 and you know, yeah. all those, <laughs> all those kind of numbers. I'm, yeah, I'm, I have a specific number and it's somehow it suits the kind of player I am. Nice. That's Pretty awesome. Cool. <laughs> um, uh, is there a family's uh, relationship with James Reimer? I, I mean, it seems like you guys have a, a, a big relationship with him. Uh, what's that like? It's been great. He's somebody that I love up growing up and you know he I, I heard about his career I was you know in grade one he's in grade 12 there's a difference in age and things like that but I always idolized you know I always watched him growing up just because I knew his life and I knew the journey he was on mm. and it was cool watching him play for the Red Deer Rebels he played yeah a few years in Red Deer and then James played you know in uh, South Carolina he played so he played there, Marley's, I think, a bit. And, and now he's, you know, he's he's kind of journeyed around the NHL. And his yeah. career has his career has had a lot of downs. And, you know, nobody really, you know, sees that. But me being close to him, I've seen a lot of the ups and the downs he's had. And he's played a lot of games in the NHL. Yeah. Oh yeah. And mm-hmm. and he's he's someone that's been a real big light in my life. And um, you know, we our families are pretty connected. Like sometimes my family goes over there and they have gatherings nice. with their nice. family in, in our Burke area. And whenever I'm home in town, he's sometimes around and we spend, you know, spend that time together and, and bond. And then I train with him in the summer. So it's nice. really cool. I'm always, <laughs> I always see him almost every day. He trains, nice. he trains in the same program as me, but just different, different hours. And, we spent a lot of time, you know, hanging out and doing that. And, and when I was in San Jose, I spent time with his with his wife and his family. And so really close with, with them as well. Oh, that's cool. That's super, yeah, yeah that's super cool. Yeah. Yeah. How about, um, okay, oh, you want to go? No, you can go. <laughs> okay. I was going to say, how about you tell us about, uh, about your, about the book? Uh, I had a little read about it. I, I think it's fantastic. Uh, you did a great job. Um, but how about you tell our listeners a bit about it? 
Um, so people can get my book, obviously, through my Instagram. I have a, I have a link on there. Um, so you just search up my Instagram handle. It's Jermaine underscore Lowen32. And it's uh, Ari's Awful Day slash Mainers Move. And you can go through that link. And that link will send you to uh, a place where you can, you can uh, buy the books through, through Amazon and all that. You can get the books. And the uh, 10 bucks for the book. It's uh, the story of the book is, is obviously Ari and Mainer. So it's a lion, black bear. I'm a black bear. So Mainer, <laughs> black bear. <laughs> and uh, Ari is lion. You know, Mainer, he's been, I've been through a lot of different things in my, in my journey, faced yeah. a lot of different um, ignorances and racism and different things that that have been hard for me based because of of my color and the book just kind of talks about feeling like i've been i'm the new kid i'm new new mm -hmm. kid to the team i'm new kid to school i'm new kid like all these different places where you felt like you were kind of alone you're outcast you didn't you didn't fit in you didn't know what to do and with my with my book it it's just really beautiful because it's able to it speaks about the story from two sides. Yeah. And so I got bullied by Ari, but it speaks about it from my perspective and it mm -hmm. speaks about mm -hmm. it from, from Ari's perspective. Mm -hmm. And kids, when they read books, they only really read them from one perspective. Yeah. And, and so often when we raise our, our children as we're adults and we, we've had one way of getting taught something through our lives, but mm -hmm. we, we, don't know why why was i taught this and so yeah. i think it's really really pivotal in these days that we teach kids how to <clears throat> you know why why do i make those comments or why do i say these ignorant yes. things like i need to reevaluate yep. how i how i view people yeah and this book it does it in a very soft and gentle way it doesn't yeah necessarily evoke a, oh this is black versus white or yeah. race this race versus this race it's it just does it in such a way that it brings light to some issues and a lot of those issues even adults that read the book they know that that hey like maybe i need to check myself yeah. maybe i need to um realize that i'm talking a certain way i'm treating people a certain way and i need to maybe yeah. correct it so it's it's not just a kid's book it's not just mm -hmm. about you know me like i'm gonna give it to my kid and he's gonna read yeah. it it's it's like parents and other people are as well are yeah like wow i really like the book i really think that's great that you put this together and you know tom van dyke did an awesome job with it and i just i just want to always make sure i give him a shout out <laughs> <laughs> i i it the book says Van Dyke with Jermaine Lowen. It's not <laughs> yeah. just my book. And so yeah. I, I just want to always say, Tom Van Dyke, thank you so much. Uh, you did a fantastic job of helping me create this book. And you did the illustration. And nice. Yep. My my agent kind of helped out a bit with it. He, he put put in a lot of time. I also have um, some people in the agency I'm with. They they helped like set these this up. It's not easy creating a book. It's not, no, you know, it's not, it's not a money, it's not a, it's not a money grab. It's not a money grabbing thing either as well. And, and I no. want people to, to realize that it's a, it's about education, 
education yep. is what's going to it's what's going to change our our world we, yep. we 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 we've gone through you know this covid phase and we went yep. through the whole um um black lives matter the movement yep. we went through we went through all that and it's yep. been a the, the, those movement those things have been going on for a long time and people people maybe don't realize it so it brought a lot of brought a shed light to it and when i released the book in, back in january um <clears throat> the previous january not this one but when i brought it when i put the book out there and released it in december january in that time frame um a lot of it was really big and the reason that book was we wanted to bring that book out and wanted to do that was because a lot of stuff gets talked about um but i feel like a lot of things don't actually change mm. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of action. It's just talk. I mean, wanna, yep. you want to post this on, you know, Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or this. We want to, we want to put all these Black Lives Matter. This that matters, but we're we need to do that as well. But we need to have yep. education yep. backed it up, backed up education, backed up people who've actually had situations, so that yep. we can help people realize what they put other people through. Yeah, and that guides them, and then kindness the book is about kindness so Ari's awful day slash Maynard's moves about kindness it's about you know those acts that you do build up and then over time it's you you live a transformed life because you're you show kindness to people Uh, uh, that's remarkable man um you have such a good head on your shoulders and you know that book I'm going to, you know, give it a full read it. Yeah. I only read a few pages of it. Um, but I mean, it, it's incredible though. Like what you've, what you talked about there and about um, just about how important it is that we're all, you know, we're all one and how, you know, people struggle and you, you touched on everything perfectly there. Um, it was remarkable. Good, good, good words, man. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you. Uh, we want to thank you so much for joining the show today. Um, and good luck to you, obviously in your future and what you, uh, can do. And hopefully when you come to Camelops next year, maybe we can, uh, we can meet up. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> How's it going, everyone? We hope you enjoyed that interview with Jermaine Lowen. I know we sure did. He was a great guy to talk to. We'll get a little more into that, though. Uh, welcome to another episode of Western Centric. Thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen to the show. I am your host, Colton Davies, and alongside me is my co-host, Matthew Zader. Today, we're going to be talking about the WHL finals. It's it's over. Um, we'll do a breakdown of the conference finals. We got a couple more WHL signings. Uh, we're going to chat a little bit about the overagers from Winnipeg and Kamloops and who's moving on from there. And then, of course, the Memorial Cup announcement, which, uh, you know, I'm excited about that. Um, so I was going to start this off with talking about the WHL finals, but that makes no sense. Let's talk about the conference finals first. Uh, let's talk about my prediction of Seattle only winning one game and Camps taking this in five. Uh, yeah, that was wrong. So I'll just uh, I'll take the L on that. I'm an idiot. Um Seattle, I mean, congratulations to the Seattle Thunderbirds, to their fans, to everybody. It's been an incredible run for what they've been doing. Um, it's it's insane to see what they're doing. I think they're the only team in history to uh, do what they've done so far. I, I forget exactly how that works. I read something about that. But, you know, it was a heartbreaking loss for the Blazers. Um, 
I mean, obviously everybody was emotional. The Blazers had a, you know, quite the team and quite the season, but ultimately Thomas Millich, Jared Davidson, Tyrell Bauer, Svichkovsky, yeah, the list goes on. Uh, Seattle was just better. Uh, what are your thoughts, Matthew? Yeah, the, well, I mean, I, I also predicted the Blazers to go through. I gave Seattle two games. I'm pretty sure I predicted them in six. But uh, yeah, congratulations to the Seattle Thunderbirds. I mean, they're well, well deserved of it. Um, you know, a lot of the, like you, you mentioned all those names. I mean, they all stepped up and, uh, you know, it's not like Kamloops played a bad series. They were right up there with them. Uh, so, I mean, it was a good battle and, and I thought it was probably going to be a battle of six or seven games. So ended up being that I just didn't think Seattle was going to be able to win it. So uh, I'm wrong too. Uh, you know? <laughs> uh, but you know, it happens. I mean, the thing is, is predictions are that predictions and uh, yeah, you know, things happen. I'm sure a lot of people, I uh, predicted the Florida Panthers to beat the Tampa Bay lightning, but they yep. did not. And, uh, they're all, you know, they're out. So, I mean, it's anyone can win once playoffs comes around, uh, everything's reset and everyone can hop on to different runs. And it's not like Seattle's a bad team. Like there's so many, no. good, so many players that had great seasons, uh, and you know, props to them, you know, they'll, they'll be in the, the WHL finals, which we'll talk about in a sec, but yeah, congrats. And it was a great series played by them and the, you know, Blazers had a great series too. I mean, you're looking at Stan Coven and uh, guys like that. They had a heck of a season and they're probably, of course, disappointed, but, um, mm. you know, great run though. I mean, you, you got to take, take some, some positives out of it and, um, and move on. But, um, you know, got to the conference finals. It's not nothing to sneeze at. That's for sure. No, oh, absolutely. You know, guys like, we, we, we already listed them off for Seattle, but, you know, even guys like Reed Schaefer and Henry Rybinski, Kevin Korchinski, Connor Roulette. I mean, there's a number of guys that just really stepped up for Seattle in this series. And just, I mean, and throughout the playoffs, they've just been phenomenal for them. Um, Matthew Rempe was a guy that just was a hound on every Blazer player. I mean, he was the four checking abilities on that six foot eight monsters just I mean, it might get him somewhere. I mean, that that's the type, you know, he's a signed New York Rangers prospect. So who, I mean, who knows where he goes with that, but the, you know, there's an, you know, Samuel Najko, a great defenseman, um, somebody that played of course at the world juniors, which they didn't really get the world juniors this year, but you know, he was somebody who was even listed, I believe to go play for Slovakia at the Olympics. Mm -hmm. and I can't remember if he did or not, but you know, just a number of great players for them. You look at their, you know, what they were doing in playoffs with 25 points for Jared Davidson and Svishkovsky with 24 points. Um, Thomas Millich just got named goaltender of the month for the WHL today. I mean, it's hard not to uh, not to appreciate what they're doing. And Bill LaForge has created a really good team here. And it's, it's exciting to watch. I mean, um, I, as for predictions, we will get into that. Um, but my kind of point of all of this was you look at all the players who contributed to Seattle and then you look at Kamloops' playoff point totals and Stankoven had 31 points. I mean, he was carrying this team on his back by himself, essentially. I yeah. mean, it, it was just hard to watch. Dalen Kiefler, you know, Toporowski, those guys had their, you know, Fraser Minton came up big in game six and game seven. But ultimately, I mean, the 10, 11, nine points for the number, it doesn't cut it. 
And you look at all the point totals that the Seattle players were able to put up and how they all work together and their third and fourth lines came out big for them. Uh, that's just kind of what it came down to, I think. And, you know, ultimately Seattle was just a stronger team and yeah. there was nothing Camels could do. Um, you know, it, congratulations again to the Thunderbirds and Hey, that oil Kings team is going to be fun to play. That's all I have to yeah. say. <laughs> I mean, yeah. like, honestly, like I, I even with Kamloops, I, I was going to say like five or six games for Edmonton. Like there was I didn't think there was a way Kamloops would even get by them, considering Kamloops struggled against Vancouver and then against Seattle. Yeah. Um, I think Seattle gets, though, like I think they get two games. I, I think they get two games out of this. Um, they're the underdogs, though. I mean, we've talked about it before. You've seen it in the March Madness. You've seen it in the NHL. Um, teams can do the unthinkable. And the playoffs is when it happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the thing is, it's like this final. Yeah. Everyone's going to kind of predict the oil Kings to win because they're yeah. such a, such a strong team. Like with so much guys that are going to be leaving um, potentially to the NHL, um, turning pro, something like that. And, you know, they're kind of a team that you'd expect to win, but you know, Seattle has had a great run here and, you know, beating teams that they shouldn't have beat anyway as well so yeah um you never know i mean if all these guys keep keep scoring and stepping up they can match uh guys like genther who's having a heck of a he's like the Connor mcdavid of this playoffs right now um, he really is. he's been scoring like almost at a you know over a point a game clip uh so i mean he's he's one of the guys that they're gonna have to stop and if millich can keep his uh you know, his run going, it may happen. I mean, you know how, how goaltenders can carry teams in the playoffs and yep. uh, you know, when guys stepping up at the right time, I don't know. I, I I'm actually saying, and I'm going to go on a limb here and say Seattle's going to win in seven. Oh, that's okay. my prediction right now. That's a hot take. Uh, there'll be a few <laughs> fans listening. That'll be happy about that. Of course we talked about it before we started recording. Uh <laughs> The, the DMs that we got, but that's okay. Hey, it's okay. You guys can, you guys can be mad at me. It's all good. Um, yeah. Yeah. Seattle. I think Seattle, I don't think Seattle, I think Edmonton and six, but Hey, I mean, I don't, don't, don't knock it. I mean, I would not be surprised to see Seattle just pull the unfreaking thinkable here. Like, yeah. like, could you imagine if like, so imagine you're the city of Seattle, you get the crack. You expect them to be the team that's going to go, well, I don't think really anybody thought the Kraken were going to be good. But, you know, they were like, oh, it's big NHL team, blah, blah, blah. But then this WHL team comes out and just goes, no, we're taking the whole city. It's ours. And <laughs> they just dominate to the WHL finals. Uh, it's pretty exciting. Um, Thomas Millich really is just going like Andre Vasilevsky mode, though. Holy yeah. cow. Like, he's just carrying that team on his back. He had some... He had some big saves last night that definitely could have costed the game. Um, but I, you gotta, you gotta give it to the Thunderbirds and I can't knock them. I mean, I'm more pissed off with the Blazers than, um, then, then, yeah, I'm just pissed off. I, I don't, I don't know. Like I had a chat with a couple different fans. Um, and we kind of all were in agreement that it, after game four, it just kind of, or game four, starting at game four, it just, everything seemed to fall apart. And it was after the first period, it just seemed like there was little to no momentum. Um, I mean, we, we won't talk about it. I, I don't want to be critical. Um, they're just kids. Um, and we'll, we're going to get some of these guys on and we'll get them to break down the series for them. And, you know, they can tell you guys and us what, 
what was going through the locker room. Um, there was obviously a disconnect, but that's, that's all I've got to really to say about it. I'm excited for next year, which we'll talk about, but yeah, it's, it, it was a, it was a crazy series. That's all. I think that's, <laughs> that's the gist of it really. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, and the thing is, is like, and I, I, that's why I love, you know, that's why we love the playoffs. Cause you know, things happen and uh, you don't expect it. And that's, what's yeah. fun. And uh, like Vancouver getting past Everett. That, yeah. I mean, I know one who had that on their predictions. I'm yeah. sure no one did. And if you say you did, I think you're lying. <laughs> so I don't know. It's, it's going to be, and whoever, you know, whoever went out on a limb and bet on that series saying Vancouver is going to win. I think they won some, uh, some money there. So, <laughs> it, you don't know. And that's the thing yeah. you, go, you go into playoffs and like I say, clean slate. And uh, it doesn't matter if you were last in the last, the last team to make the playoffs um, you can make it. So um, props to, you know, Vancouver for making it through and then Seattle, what they're doing right now. So um, it's going to be a fun final, I think. And uh, we'll see how it all plays out and uh, who will, you know, end up going to the Memorial cup. And uh, that's going to be fun. The cool thing I did hear uh, throughout the broadcast, uh, I believe it was game five uh, when they did the Memorial cup announcement um, WHL finals will be on TSN. Oh, so the director of communications for the WHL was in Kamloops, of course, and uh, he was talking to John Keane. And yeah, the WHL finals will be on TSN. And then he kind of hinted that they're looking at securing a full TV deal, which would be absolutely phenomenal. I think growing up, that was most Canadians' freaking dream was yes. to be able to watch the WHL on TV every night. Yeah, that'd be a really big step. Um, it would be. It'd be huge. I would love it because then I can actually, you know, do a bit more scouting that I, you know, through because right now you don't get a lot unless you go to the games or get that CHL um, package. You can get that package, but even then, like the amount of technical difficulties that like I've, I had, and like I found other people had, and I don't know, it, it, the app just definitely needs some playing around with and you know, whatever it takes time. Um, but that TV deal is going to be epic. I, I mean, I can't wait to like, you know, if that obviously comes to fruition, yeah. I just can't wait to watch the WHL finals on TV. It's going to be really fun. I think it'll be mm-hmm. it's really good press. I mean, like we talked about. Yeah. Um, so conference finals, finals, um, you know, Edmonton's loaded with that NHL talent. Like we talked about, um, who do you see <laughs> continuing their, you know, their, breakout here that you know genther is probably going to continue to dominate um josh williams it, it'll be interesting yeah i i'm definitely saying that genther is going to keep his run going um you know unless millich all of a sudden just you know not all of a sudden but if he continues to you know stymie everyone I mean, he may yeah. not get as many goals but no. uh but you know it's not just genther and that's the thing i mean the oil kings have a lot of other guys that are that are really good and that that have been scoring. So you shut down Genther, but they still have uh, guys that can score too. So it's going to be interesting to see who who comes to play and who's, who steps up and who continues to their um, their run from the last round. Because there's some guys that you know they have a good round and then they kind of disappear against mm-hmm. another team. So we'll it, see it, who can we, continue. We've it. seen it, yeah. I think it's going to be you know we've 
we were talking um, in the daily face-off group chat this morning about uh, the battle between Andre Vasilevsky and Igor Shesterkin and how yeah. that begins tonight. And it's the battle of what everybody's, you know, kind of wanted. The, you know, the two best, you could say Shesterkin's one of the best goalies in the league, but the best goalie in the world versus an up-and-coming great elite goaltender. Mm-hmm. And you have Sebastian Kosa, who's an elite goaltender versus... Thomas Milich, who seems to quite be, you know, be somebody who's coming out of his shell here. Mm-hmm. He definitely going to be drafted be now. I, like I said before, yeah. he's probably going to, I think he definitely is now. <laughs> I think he definitely has that chance to be taken now. I think he's made his mark for sure. I mean, it, yeah, it's hard not to see a team taking a chance on him, even in the fifth or sixth round. Yeah. Um, we will break off from the WHL finals and the conference finals talk. Um, it's enough negative for me. Um, <laughs> some WHL signings. Uh, the Spokane Chiefs signed their first-round selection, Chase Harrington. The Prince Albert Raiders signed their first-round selection, Luke Maraz. The Edmonton Oil Kings signed their first-round selection, Presley Kerner. And the Saskatoon Blades signed their first-round pick, Isaac Pohl. Matthew, you want to tell us who the Vancouver Giants signed? Well, the Vancouver Giants were, were busy. Uh, they yeah. signed four of their picks from the, the draft. And forwards Cameron Schmidt, Aaron Ob. Oba Bifo, if I'm saying that yep. right. <laughs> yep. Uh, Jacob Oreskovich and uh, defenseman Colton Allain. So, or Allen, it's probably Allain. So, you know, that's, you know, they were busy. So they got a few guys under contract now, and uh, we'll see how many of them play next year, or if any of them do. So, um, but that's quite a few to be, to be signing at once. Oh, absolutely. Um, a quick note, Aaron Oba Fafo is, uh, He's 5'10, 190 pounds. Like he's a he's a freaking tank. Oh. Like I I saw the signing picture of all four of them signing, and I was like looking and I'm like, that kid looks like a football player. And I went <laughs> into his elite prospects, and yeah, he's 15 years old, 5'10, 190 pounds. He's Jeez. gonna be a wrecking ball of there. <laughs> like, holy cow. I'm excited to see him in the WHL, that's for sure. Um some side news that uh, has to do with signings. Connor McLennan did not sign his ELC in Philadelphia today. The Philadelphia Flyers announced that they did not come to agreement on uh, a contract with him, which, oh, you should have seen Flyers Twitter. Oh, my God. People were just. So he's, he'd be going to free agency then. I, I, I can't remember if it's free agency or if he's re-eligible. I can't. That's my. I wish I would have researched draft. it before we recorded. Um. But, you know, he had 43 goals this year, and the Flyers need scoring. I don't know what they're thinking here. Um, it's not good. Uh, I'll just put it that way. The backlash that the Flyers PR got today on Twitter was, I mean, you can go take a look at it. It was pretty much everybody just saying you're a bunch of idiots for not signing him. So he's uh, just as a – he is, from what I can tell, so he was born June 25th, 2002. So he okay. is, will still be not, he will, he is not eligible. So he'll turn 20 before the draft. So he, so he, he, he gets a free agent contract. So he'll be free agency. And Colorado. If, if I'm wrong, get him. I'm pretty sure that's right. Because. No, I think that's right. If you turn 20 by the time the draft is or before the draft, you're not eligible for the draft anymore. Cause yeah, so he, he's going to be a free agent. So, Oh, he's going to have some guy, have some uh, teams knocking on his door. I'm sure. Well, and that's just it, right. You know, 
Colorado, Tampa Bay, one of these elite teams, Carolina, Edmonton, someone's going to get him. It's going to be just pathetic. Like, like, why didn't they sign him? Like, he's got, yeah, 43 goals. He had, oh, he's not, yeah. uh, but, but you got to remember, Matthew, 21 he's points. In the... he's, he's not six foot four. Doesn't fit. Oh, the Philadelphia. Yeah. Not six four, 230 pounds. Doesn't fit the Flyers' realm, you know? Undersized, um, five foot eight. But in all seriousness, I just, I don't get it. And a lot of people really don't understand them not signing him either. Um, one person, uh, a Flyers beat writer, pointed out that it could be McLennan's choice. Mm, yeah no that's and true he could have been the one that said i'm not signing so there's just you have to take that into perspective before completely trashing the flyers organization um <laughs> so, so it is 100 he is becoming a free agent i found an article um perfect so he is going to be a free agent uh a draft draft related unrestricted free agent maybe Jim so Rutherford and all the can Someone, someone's, I'm sure there's already teams uh, kind of looking. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, one more signing news. Uh, Gannon LaRock, the Victoria Royals, signed his ELC with the San Jose Sharks this afternoon. So congratulations to Gannon. Yeah, congratulations one. to them too. So uh, yeah, lots of signings. <laughs> there was, there really was. I mean, it's been, it's been busy. It's only going to get busier here too. Um, I know in the last 48 hours, I think only, or is it? Is there only a couple hours? I can't remember. There, there's a certain date that they have to sign all these guys by. Um, June the 1st. Unrestricted draft. I think guys. it's yeah. June 1st. So, okay. So then it's today. Yeah. So it was that today. makes sense why they're all being signed. That's why everyone was worried about uh, also uh, Linus Carlson, too, for the yes, Canucks. That's right. I recall so. that actually. I remember seeing, <laughs> seeing the roller coaster of emotions on Twitter there. Um, let's talk a little bit about overagers, uh, something we've talked about a lot throughout this year um but let's talk specifically about cam Lumps's overagers so luke toborowski and quinn schmeeman we're gonna talk about them first they don't have homes to go to um schmeeman of course is a tampa Bay lightning draft pick who ended up going to philadelphia's camp who almost made philadelphia's preseason roster and then didn't get a contract it was the weirdest <laughs> thing ever um i don't really know what happened there it was really odd but he comes back to Lumps has a decent season um and was a co-captain. And I think, you know, he's, you know, his defensive game is something I think that can take him, um, take him pretty far. He's a physical guy. Uh, he got into a few scraps this year. Um, you know, as you talk, we, you know, we talked with Jermaine Lowen, um, fighting something that a lot of coaches and managers take notice of. And, you know, the game is very important to, you know, put pucks in the net, but you know, those types of players are, are important and they play roles. And I think Schmeeman, you know, if he wants to go down that road, I think he can play that stay-at-home defensive road um, mm-hmm. and find a home somewhere. I think, I think he he will definitely be, you know, ECHL bound, uh, maybe even AHL bound um, by July first. Uh, I'm not exactly sure if they can sign in between now and July first and how it works. Um, maybe they can only sign after July first. So there goes my knowledge on that. That proves I'm <laughs> the brightest, but. I just don't understand the whole free agency part with, with CHL guys. Um, but on the other hand, Luke Toporowski, somebody who came into camps, absolutely freaking blew the point totals off the roof. Um, probably had our, one of the highest point totals uh, since being acquired since the deadline. Like it was insane what him and Stankoven do. And they were the one, two duo of the league, mm-hmm. um, you know, other than Ben King and Archie Baines and the other handful of duos out there, of course, but 
Luke Toporowski is a guy I think who could really find himself on a, on an AHL squad. I think um, it's not hard to picture him in the American hockey league and, you know, trying to grind out that East coast AHL jungle style of hockey. What, what do you think about those two? Oh yeah. Like we've mentioned him quite a bit on, on this show. Right. So he's, he's good. He's going to be good. And I don't know how good he's going to be in the NHL, but uh, he sure took a step forward with the Blazers this year. That's for sure. We went from like, he went, he had 29 points, 27 games yeah. for Spokane comes to Camos and not knocks home 34, which includes 20 goals. I mean, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, he proved that he, you know, he works well with player with other players. And I think he's a guy who, uh, yeah, like he, he'll find himself in the East coast league and, It'll be interesting to see what he can do, um, but I'm excited. Like I think he's somebody who could, uh, who could plant some roots down there, and mm-hmm. you know maybe find himself in an NHL call up. It, it's it's tough to say. Um, you never know with guys, and you know I mean, he could be like Derek Ryan, a guy we've talked about plenty of times, and just not play in the NHL for ten years. Who who knows? Yeah, um, I mean it's these late bloomers. You never know when they're gonna all of a sudden you're like, who's this guy? Where did he come from? <laughs> yeah, and another thing that a lot of people point out, um, I, I and people are very critical on on Twitter. Of course, he's dominating. He's twenty one years old playing in a junior league. That's mm. a lot of what people say, and sure you should be dominating, but that doesn't go against your development. You're no. still improving. So I think that it's kind of a, a, a miss. A, I don't know. I don't really like that take, but that's just me. As for Winnipeg though, Nolan Orzak, Cole Muir, and Jake and Smallwood. Um, we'll talk a little bit about Victor Persson and the Camelops after, but we just want to talk about Winnipeg first. Um, those three guys all, are you know they all played critical roles for Winnipeg and helped Winnipeg throughout the playoffs and Smallwood is a guy that I think uh it very well could find himself in the ECHL you know Mm. the other thing too is a lot of these guys can go um and do uh university right so they can take that Canadian university and they can go there and they don't you know they don't have to um go to the American hockey league or the East coast league or go to Europe right away. They can take a year or two, go to, go to um, university and then come back. So it's going to be interesting to see what some of these guys do, but you know, Smallwood's a guy who didn't really do a whole lot until this year. You know, he was 20 points, 30 points, and then 68 points. So another late bloomer, but it's yeah it's you know those are the those are the guys that you know you never you never know and i think teams take a chance on some of them just because um you know it depends on development really yeah and it's free it's free like it's free con you only have to do is pay money a little bit of money like you're you're not losing anything if they don't work out they don't work out like it it just you're and if they do you've got found money so it's like you're not spending draft pick or trading or anything like that. You're just signing a contract with them. And yeah. And you're not even signing an NHL contract. You're just signing American hockey league or East coast league contract. So it's like, really, you have nothing to lose really. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I think, I think that those are guys that, you know, you definitely take a chance on and Smallwood was, you know, he came up big, like I said, in the playoffs, he had nine points and um, Nolan Orzak had 40 plus points this year as a defenseman uh, on a loaded Winnipeg defense team like 
there's a, yeah, there's a number of guys that uh, we'll definitely keep an eye on and keep tabs on over the next couple of years, of course. Um, but Victor Pershon is a guy that uh, like, it just, it intrigues me because the Canucks haven't signed him. I don't know why. Like, do, do you know why? I, I don't know. Like it, I haven't really heard anything from, from anyone really about yeah. Pershon and what they're doing and it's everything's on was on Linus Carlson and uh right really so I mean everyone wants him over here um Pearson has still some time I mean he was recently drafted he wasn't drafted that long ago 2020, so, I mean yeah. I think they have one if from what I understand they have like one more season left I think before they have to do the you know to sign him so before losing his rights so they do have another season I think they will you know look at him um, they should at least uh, look at him in the next um, bit. And like we talked about to Scott Wheeler about, about him and uh, you know, he, he was saying that he could potentially be a seventh defenseman. He's not going to be an impact guy, but you know, I think that's worth trying, trying to see if he can at least play in the AHL and see how he looks there because um, and I think that's probably what's going to happen. He's probably going to sign a, a amateur tryout with the age with uh, Abbotsford and we'll see how if the if the Canucks sign him eventually after that but uh, I think they should definitely get him to try and don't go that same route that you know Philly did with McClellan right you lose him and uh, so we'll see we'll see what happens with them I think they I think they take the chance though, right? Like they don't well, yeah. I mean we've heard I've heard it like I mean again this is before new management um that they liked person and they wanted to yeah. get over here and um so i mean but it's hard to t- say now um we heard tony utanen is they're not you know rumored that they're not going to sign him so he's he's done so i mean there's they, a guy from the bending era that they're they, going to lose and i think that's a mistake too i think he has potential as a you know bottom pairing defensive defenseman but you know, that's out the window now. And, um, but so I don't know, uh, we don't know what this new management group of what they favor and what they like about the prospect group that Benning and his team put together. So it's really up in the air of what, how all these prospects are going to go. It really is. I mean, I think I'm going to, uh, yeah, I'll dig in a little bit myself. We'll, we'll come back with some Pershawn news next week. I'll see, see what I can find. Um, a couple of, you know, contact a couple people, but you know, I, there's, there's a lot more, you know, it, just like his elite prospects bio quite literally says, there's a lot more to his game than just his offense. And yeah. there's a lot more to his offense than, you know, than, than his point totals indicate. You know, he he struggled this year a little bit. In, in a sense, he struggled. But had he, he, we talked to Wheeler about this, and, you know, had COVID maybe not have played a big part in last se- season, he would have came over last season. And then this season, he probably would have put up 50 points. 40 points. Yeah. Like he would have developed and he would have had that first year under his belt and he would have really flourished. Um, he, he, he was good in the playoffs. He didn't really put up the point totals that I think people were expecting, but he played with some tenacity. I mean, he was a guy that was, uh, you know, very aggressive with his forechecking. Um, he was laying out some big hits, especially against Seattle. He was getting, he was getting pretty pissed against the Seattle Thunderbirds players. I mean, he got in a couple altercations after the whistle there, and he he really showed that he can be an aggressive defenseman, and mm. you need that. You know, he 
in a sense, you know, I know he's offense and he's mostly that, but in a sense, he kind of reminded me of Zach Bogosian. Just that, mm-hmm. you know, that tenacity behind his game and just, you know, like one-handing guys out of the crease and not allowing people near Garand. Um, you know, he got beat a couple times, obviously. Um, but I think that step forward was really good for him. I, it really point like he, I noticed a couple people were, you know, talking about him and they were like, wow, he's actually out there just running guys over and he's playing a good, hard, hard game in the boards. Um, it's his work for ethic. That's really going to mm. get him far, I think too. So he goes to Abbotsford. I think there's without a doubt, he starts in Abbotsford next season and he earns the contract. I don't think the Canucks are, I don't know. It's hard. Yeah. It's difficult to see what's going to happen. And uh, like I said, the only news that came out about other prospects is that uh, Utan and Utanin or how you say his name. Yeah. Um, he's, he's expected not to sign with the Canucks and they, you know, talk to his agent, uh, Donnie and on Donnie and Dolly, they reported that. And so they, it doesn't look like they're going to sign him. And that's what's, you know, Paris and I hope that doesn't happen that they lose his rights because I think he's got a lot of potential. Uten and I mean, he's probably was, would top out as a defensive defenseman in and out as being, you know, call up or whatever at most. So, I mean, it's not really maybe a surprise that they, they think he's not worth staying in the system, but you know, guys like, you know, just to finish this up, I mean, Ethan Keppen is another guy. They lost his rights um, and they keep calling him a Canucks prospect. So I'm really, I got to dig into that of what is he still Canucks property because I've been putting him in our, my prospect reports. And, and so if I'm doing that and there, he's not a prospect, I'm kind of uh, wrong. So got to fact yourself. But eh? the thing is, is, is uh, Flint, the Flint Firebirds in all their piece articles, they say Canucks prospect. So I don't know. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It, it'll be interesting. I think uh person is definitely a guy that I'm excited to see the development of. And uh I'm excited to see him in Abbotsford. And I think that's where we'll really find out if he has what it takes. Yes. And it's that next level, uh, playing against stronger competition. That's where you start seeing uh, what his potential will be or what his ceiling will be, uh, yeah. you know, moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do we want to pause it now? Yeah. I mean, we'll, I'll restart a new one to do the sure. Memorial Cup talk yeah just because i figured that might be a little bit it's a good break and because we only have four minutes i don't think we're gonna unless we talk really fast i don't think that's no (laughs) i don't think so that wouldn't be very good no (laughs) all right so i'll stop it and then we'll just place okay all right all right let's talk about some huge news that of course was announced this past week so my, my hometown, Camels Blazers, are going to be hosting the Memorial Cup. And do you know how excited I am, Matthew? <laughs> I'm quite excited, I would think. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Very, very, very excited. So the last time the Memorial Cup was here was in 1995, a year before I was born, which is a lot to think about. So 26 years ago, uh, or 27 years ago, I guess, technically, it was here. Because um, I'm 26, so that makes sense. So, I mean... Man, that announcement was crazy. I, I was talking with a couple people and when, you know, the, the rumors were kind of swirling around and was Camelot's going to get it or was Kelowna going to get it? 
And then the week happens. They're the, you know, the big announcement, the, the WHL alumni coming, the CHL president's coming to Camelopes, and that's when everyone went, holy shit. <laughs> Camelopes is hosting the Memorial Cup. All the dots were connected. Um, so, I mean, it was exciting. Uh, you know, Niedermeyer was there. Ginlan was there. AJ Baines was there. Um, obviously, you know, Jermaine Lowen talked a lot about it. And, you know, it was, you know, it was really awesome to hear his perspective of it. Um, because as a fan, it's different, you know, and, you know it's different when you're an alumni. Um, and you're involved in that, you know, behind the scenes and you got to play and, you know, wear the jersey. Um, but everybody in Kamloops uh, is so excited, you know, like it was evident that everyone was was excited because that game was sold out. And then game seven here in Kamloops last night sold out. There was there wasn't even standing room in the arena. <laughs> so hockey is, I mean, alive and well here. Um and, you know, the, the WHL is honoring the rich history that Kamloops has with the Memorial Cup. And we've talked to um, Tyson Nash about what it was like winning the Memorial Cup here and what the city of Kamloops was like during that time and the amount of support and people, you know, with Blazers jerseys on running up and down the streets and That's just awesome. yeah. everything that, you know, Nash talked about, about how, you know, how exciting it was and he's going to be back here i mean the entire alumni i'm pretty sure has been invited to come back to you know help with it um you look at you know the rich history uh like i had just you know had said about about who has won a memorial cup with Cam. scott niedermeyer daryl sador jerome mcginla um you know darcy tucker daryl ray Th- there's a number Corey hirsch i mean the holy cow the, the, num- the list goes on and on and on <laughs> It's it's remarkable, and you know it's really great for the CHL to acknowledge um, Kamloops's history and acknowledge what the Blazers have. I think the CHL recognizes the Blazers have a very strong team as well, um, and that there's something that they can you know run with here. And you know, for a guy like Logan Stankoven to be from Kamloops, along with along with Dylan Sador, of course, but for Logan Stankoven to be from Kamloops and be the captain of his team. To play in a Memorial Cup in your hometown, that's got to be a dream come true. Yeah, and it's 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 awesome to to have it there. And you know, like we said, with with uh, when we talked Tyson Nash, and it was so crazy when it was here last time. When it was there the last time, and you know, be it now and how how good the Blazers are, and um, you know, and as the host, they do play in it, right? So, yep, it's. You know, we say all oh, their season's over. There really isn't. So I mean, <laughs> they're gonna have this night, this tournament to play in, and they could redeem themselves and uh, and playing against you know against either Seattle or um, or Edmonton. And uh, that's I mean, would be really cool if they win the Memorial Cup and they don't win the WHL championship. I think they'll be fine with that. <laughs> yeah absolutely you know like this year's memorial cup is held in saint john i believe and it was scott wheeler that posted a really really good article um about saint john and what they had to do over the last couple of years when they you know they won the bid a couple was it last year two years ago they won the bid and yeah it's a couple of years in advance so saint john won the it won it a couple of years in advance and you know they go out and they acquire you get like guys like peter reynolds and um i can't remember all the names off the top of my head so i won't go too much into detail but you can obviously you can go to the athletic and you can read it but it was so so cool to just you know listen to uh or to read 
the owners and the management talk about the behind the scenes and what they wanted to do to get ready because they knew that they didn't have the best team. So they knew they had to create something. And St. John has had a good year this year, decent year. Um, But, but they're, you know, they're going to be the hosts and who knows what they can do this year. And, you know, next year, Camels gets to go to the guaranteed no matter what. So, yeah, I, but the, the, the point is, is Camels' team is this is that good, though, that, yeah. that they can get back into this final four conference final picture again next year. And they're going to load up. Yeah. I mean, are you As, kidding me? The thing is, is like, you know, they may not have a couple guys, but it seems like most of their team will return. So that's going to yep. be really cool. Yeah. You know, uh, you're going to have uh, Stankoven come back. I mean, he's going to be uh, what? His be third season, right? Yeah. So, I mean, he'd be able to come back uh, and that's pretty exciting. So I misspoke. I, it's not this year. It's next year. Uh, the Memorial Cup. Uh, oh, yeah. The series St. John. That. Yeah. I um, so I miss I misspoke there. Uh, but again, the redeeming themselves is still it, it does still uh, hold true. I mean, getting eliminated this year and then, you you know, I think they'd be fine with them. They could potentially win the WHL championship next year. I mean, and they're going to yeah. be as good, pretty, pretty close to the same team. So, uh, you know, they may, like you're talking about loading up, they may even get better. Well, and that's just it, right? It's the, it's the loading up and it's what, what they're going to do now moving forward. You know, now um, today's a brand new month. It's a brand new day. I think that if you're the Camelot's Blazers and you're Sean Clouston and you're involved in management, you're not thinking about uh, what just happened in the conference finals. You're moving forward. You're looking towards next season. You're looking towards the Memorial Cup and how, you know, you need to represent the CHL. And we've talked about it before, but they better be calling Regina about Connor Bedard. Oh, yeah. They, they better be. <laughs> you know, it's so, it's so worth it. It's not even funny. Um, another guy, though, that I do have curious, I'm very curious about. Uh, Buddy and I were talking about, you know, what the Blazers could do in terms of imports. Imports are a very big part of a team. And you uh, look at Vancouver. Uh, Fabian Lizell was yes. phenomenal. Jesper Weichmann was phenomenal. Um, one guy that, uh, that hasn't been linked officially, um, but I had seen his name on Twitter get talked about was so Matt Bardsley, the former general manager of the Canlis Blazers, is now the GM of the Spokane Chiefs. And the Spokane Chiefs own the right to David Yurichek. Oh. And Kamloops could just, you know, swoop in, take him, and bring him over and use him. Because I don't think Yurichek's NHL ready. I, I, I don't. He's a great defenseman. He's coming off an injury. So he's no, going to need another year of development or no, two. No, I don't think he's NHL ready at all. And I mean, I don't better... even know if Nemitz is. I mean, yeah, that's that's the other thing. You know, that that's another thing too, right? <laughs> Somebody's uh, was we talked about getting Simone Nemitz and how you'd have to pry him out of Cape Breton somehow, being physically <laughs> impossible. But but the Eurocheck thing is very possible, and that's yes. something that you know I, uh, hey, I'm I'm all here for it. Um, if if you're listening, Sean Clouston. Just go get Connor Bedard and David Yurichek, and you'll get your you'll you'll win. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. Um, the one thing though too is you know you talked about all these players returning, and uh, the one question is Dylan Garant. Now, yeah. will Hartford and New York let him 
come and play in Kamloops next year and try to win a Memorial Cup, or are they going to want him in Hartford? Yeah, that's that's kind of where that's interesting. Yeah, I think personally, I think the Blazers' ownership is going to try and make a push to get him back, and they're going to try and sort that out. Um, But if that's the case where he does end up in the American Hockey League, Camus is going to need to find a goaltender because Dylan Mm -hmm. Ernst, as good as he is, I don't. They they could rely on him, but they're gonna need somebody else, and that that that's just where it's gonna be an issue. I think is if Garan doesn't return, um, and we we're not gonna know for till September. That's the problem. Yeah, it's it's gonna be a long few months of waiting to see. Um, we have the World Juniors coming up in August, where Garan's gonna get to you know, star as a goaltender there. Yeah. Will he, you know, will that be a decision factor? I mean, if he goes all out and goes, you know, crazy, the carry price mode back in 05, what happens? You know, like, does New York go, hey, we want you here? Uh, it's, I don't know. Didn't yeah, the thing is, with because the, they have Shesterkin and, uh, you know, for the foreseeable future, um, and then they got, I, I don't know, they may, they may trade Gorgiev. I mean, so they may, maybe a opening as being like potentially fine. I don't know if they'll, I mean, that's down the road. If you need backup, I'm just looking at the depth of how long, if they really need him to be yeah. in the AHL right now, I don't think they do. Um, no, I think they can afford to have him still play one more year in junior. Um, it's yep. not like they, they need him to develop at a quick rate. So you know, That's a good I, thing I think to look at, though. He ends up yeah. staying in Kamloops. I hope so. I hope you're right because <laughs> you're gonna need them. I, I think you're right though because they've got you know they've got a couple guys in there in, in terms of depth though. Like, yeah, I guess they they rely on Shosturkin and they rely on on Alexander Gorgiev and they've got you know guys in Hartford already. Keith Kincaid, Adam Huska. I mean, Talon Boyko's will probably go there. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Maybe. I'm, <laughs> all right. Maybe, maybe I'm not as concerned now. <laughs> Will we be attending? That, that, that's something that uh, I got asked. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'll I'll be attending. Absolutely. Uh, oh, I I'll may make them. the trek up to Kamloops. That'd be kind of fun. I think we'll <laughs> we'll definitely look into uh, doing that, and we'll see where the podcast is at uh, at then. But maybe we can meet up with some people, and yeah, that, I think that would be awesome. Um, you know. I don't know when tickets go on sale. I think on sale sometime in the summer. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I can't say too too much. But there's a possibility I could be a could be a uh, media guy for the Blazers. So I, I'm not going to say too much. But mm, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I might not have to buy any tickets. Let's put it that way. <laughs> um, we'll see. We have a great interview coming up next week. Uh, it'll be posted next week. Uh, with Jeff Patterson, he uh, is a former Camelot Blazers play-by-play announcer and currently works uh, with Sakaris and Price and does Canucks stuff. Uh, phenomenal guy. We're very excited to talk to him. Uh, thank you guys, of course, though, for listening to this week's episode. Um, you know, you can, of course, follow our YouTube channel, which is Western Centric. Follow us on Instagram, same name, Twitter, same name. Send us an email to westerncentricthepodcast at gmail.com. 
of course, you can check out Jermaine Lowen's book. The link is in the description. Uh, you can check it out wherever. Um, be sure to read it. It's an awesome book. You know, he explained it all, of course. Um, but it's a phenomenal book. I had the chance to finally fully read it. And uh, it it really opens your eyes to, uh, he talks about how it's all two-dimensional. And it, it really is. It's, it's a great mm-hmm. book. Um, and yeah, check out, of course, my work with Daily Faceoff and Nation Network and Matthew's work with the Hockey Writers. Uh, Thank you guys so much for listening and we'll catch you next week.